When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. All right, before I bring Joel and Dennis on, first off, the hat is not too small. It's just... I have, I'm wearing a headset, guys, so it's got to rest on top of the headset. So, you know what? It's actually just a pain in the butt, so I'm just going to put it off to the side for now because um, it's very distracting. So let's bring Joel on now, and Joel's going to bring on his charts. Joel, good morning, man. How are we doing? You were, uh, you were very, very closely watching the S&P futures yesterday into the close and, and, and beyond for the 4 p.m. Uh, market close as well. Uh, I can't wait to see what you think of the overnight action here. Let's bring off this chart. Uh, I mean, it's giving some back. I mean, you you got it. You hit a wall near the end, but that was just an unbelievable rally. That was a hundred and thirty point rally off the low. I mean, big day for the market considering you know everything that was said. Uh, the hawkish tone. Oh, they did exactly what they said they were going to do, but uh, a little bit more hawkish tone. So we we got a bogey to keep an eye on, and that would be that close. We closed green today, forty oh, above forty nine fifty. That'd be incredible heading in the quad. Which uh, pre market low forty three twenty and a quarter. I'm really. I really can't give you any good support because the way we went down yesterday, the way we came back up, I'll just look at the pre-market low, 43.20 and a quarter, and say, we better hold that. Uh, big rebound in crude, uh, back over 100 bucks, up 577 or 580, 564, the way it moves, at 10070. Uh, gold on the rebound, up 33.30 at 1942.30. Silver up 81 cents at uh, 25.53. And uh, Bitcoin kind of flat here, down 40 bucks at 40,880. Ethereum, that's up 30 bucks at 27.87. Uh, we're popping here. We're trying to go green on the session. Triple D, what is holding this market up? Nothing. Every stock is down, and the SPY <laughs> just is immune to it. It I have is. no idea. Like we're 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 not hammered, but we got we're getting hit on stocks all over the place here this morning. I've got the majority of stocks trading red. I know you'll look and you'll see a few green ticks, but those were the eight o'clock ticks that are bad ticks. Right. A lot of stocks trading in the red. I, I can't understand it either, Joel. Yesterday's rally was just unbelievable. Uh FOMO fully back in, but really, you know, leave the US markets aside. The China rally was nothing short of one of the biggest things I think I've ever seen in my life. I mean, Alibaba was up 36% yesterday. You had JD.com, which basically, you know, had that collapse in price from 70 down to 40. It got most of it back in one day. I mean, 
unbelievable. The FOMO came back and it came back something fierce. And I think if you're long those Chinese stocks and you've been taking a licking and you have, I think you have to lighten up into that. I mean, I, I we always say sell rips. That was the rip of all rips. I mean, that was the most rippiest market I've ever seen. And 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 I, I think it was the biggest move ever up in the K web, correct, Spencer? It was, yes. It was, it was unbelievable. So also, I mean they just happens. went nuts. Wait, wait, wait. I don't know who's buying it up here, yeah. but I in my opinion, you should be selling to them. When you're at all time lows, you get superlatives like that, right? Like best nothing day. like that though. Not no. one day. We talk about forty percent rallies in the Nasdaq, you know, in the in the Nasdaq two thousand eight, forty percent rallies over the course of a couple of weeks, not in no. twenty four hours. That was just like so much, so fast. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah. I mean I said yesterday was the first time ever I I had to scroll to the bottom of my mover tool in Pro because I never get to the bottom because Normally, the bottom is like stuff that's basically flat. But yesterday, there was so much that was up 20%, 30%, 40%. You had to keep scrolling. No, I know. <laughs> there, there was some stocks that were up 80%, 90% yesterday from China. Yeah. Like, like un- honestly, unbelievable. I think DDYY, which reported earnings, picked a pretty good day to do it, I guess. 25 to 42. I mean, look at the YY chart, Joel. This doesn't even look like. I guess it was all just, you know, it shouldn't have been down there in the first place. And we talked about capitulation. We thought it was going to be due for a bounce. I just never thought the bounce was going to be that extreme. So, I don't know. What do you do now? I think you sell them. I think you sell all the Chinese stocks. I don't know on S&P stocks. I don't know on, you know, there's a lot of stocks that, you know, have been in bull markets here still and still holding on strong. But some whip snapback rally like that. I mean, basically they're saying there's no problems with delisting. There's nothing going to get delisted. There's no problems with, you know, any of this Ukraine situation and China, you know, because, you know, think about the situation if China did side with Russia, which I tend to think that they might um, in the end. I mean, you're going to start to see Chinese stocks getting hit, but they've taken that risk off the table too. They took all these risks off the table yesterday. I mean, maybe not so much Baba still, you know, is only getting back to where it was a week ago. But, you know, looking at that YY, I guess a lot of these are only getting back to where they were a week and a half ago. But the collapse was so epic that the rally was even more epic. It was really unbelievable. Yeah. Just keep your eye. I think what you need to do is uh, just keep an eye on, on your closing price you know, from uh, from yesterday and all of these stocks. I know they're down a little bit, but, you know, see, use that. Use that to gauge. They're trading down in you know, if this has more legs, uh, Baba and all these things, then they'll go green today and they'll take out the previous day's high. I mean, I think you're nuts if you're buying them up here. But yeah, you know, you know what? Maybe it's going to be follow through. Maybe we're going to have the most wicked short squeeze we've ever had in our life. And, you know, and, we, and this market can do anything. So I think I'm just I, it's hard to trade stuff that's moving 37 percent. I mean, I, I'm not the kind of person and, and a lot of retail traders love this because they want to get rich fast this is you know dangerous trading i'm almost like hands off on stuff like this because i like to grind and grind and grind and i can't be you know buying something and then losing 30 percent a week in alibaba and then you know making something and then you know it's going up 30 percent a day i mean these are extreme moves so i mean you got to be cautious as a trader in this i'm always risk first and I can't tell you what the next move's going to be. 
I just say, if I was in these things and you were getting your butt kicked, which you definitely were, like on JD.com, like look at JD.com. It's right back up to where it's been trading in January and February in one day. So the thing collapses literally, you know, 50% basically in a week and gets it all back in a day. It's a, it's incredible. So a gift, a, a big time gift yesterday. I think if you're long China and heavy China, you got lightened up into it. I lightened up into, into the rally yesterday. I took my cash in my long-term portfolio because I think it's just a huge gift. I took it from 47% up to 55% now. Maybe I'm going to be really wrong. And maybe we're just going to go FOMO and the market's going to go back to all-time highs and it's not going to give a crap and inflation's going to get under control and interest rates are going to go up, but it's all going to be okay. The war is going to get fixed. I mean, that's the bull scenario. The war goes off the table, peace treaty gets signed, which definitely could happen. Um, You know, interest rates go up, which, you know, we can talk about that in a second. But, you know, there's still, the market still stays up in that environment and inflation gets back in control. That could happen. But I'm not comfortable enough to go all in right now on that. And when I get these ridiculous rallies, and yesterday's rally was a ridiculous rally, I'm going to lighten up into it. Because you know what? I think I'm going to get a shot again in two, three days on the next negative headline to rebuy stocks. I, I, I know it's not the same thing, but that's also the reaction that people had to the March 2020 low. And I know it's a totally – it's apples and, and, and fish as a comparison for different different markets different economy different everything different different global situation um but people that waited for, uh to, to to get a retest on the the march 2020 low they never got it and i was in that group i was in that group too so um matt but you know, know what yeah yeah i was still okay yeah and yeah, even yeah. though i didn't buy stocks at the march 2020 low i bought some in june and i bought some in july and once you realized you missed it i don't know if i've missed it yet in June, when everything was starting to look not like COVID was killing everybody and wasn't the zombie apocalypse, we started to realize that, hey, you know, this, you know, isn't the zombie apocalypse. This isn't killing everybody. And, you know, we started to get back on the bull train. Two months too late, but you know what? It was okay. The unknowns, if you were buying in March of 2020, you got lucky. Yes. You didn't get, you weren't good. You weren't skilled. You weren't just like coming in here and this is just, it maybe was stupid. But we didn't know what we were going into. We did not know enough about COVID at the time. So I trade on information. And I need to have a clearer picture. By June in 2020, you kind of knew that you kind of feel that this was not the end of the world. This was pandemic. wasn't going to kill 20% of the population. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't as bad as what the media was trying to make it out to be. You knew that by June. But you did not know it in March. We'd never seen stuff like this before. Closing the whole world down had never been done. You know, this had never, we'd never seen anything like that. So I think if you were buying in March, I think, you know, and you were just saying this is just stupid, I think you got lucky. I don't think it was skilled. And in this case, I don't know how this resolves either. All I can see is there's three major concerns here. One, inflation is not going away anytime soon. Is it going to go down? Hopefully, it's going to start going down. And the PPI number helped. Don't kid yourself a couple of days ago. That's right. why I said I wasn't fading the rally from two days ago. This is now overdone, though, in my opinion, because that was a hawkish Fed. That was a hawkish Powell yesterday. Probably as hawkish as I've seen him. And the market hit it originally on it, and then the FOMO just kicked in, and they couldn't stop buying. 
But if you look and really analyze what he said yesterday, he was hawkish. He was saying, we're going to get inflation under control no matter what. That might be a good thing, but there's going to be some pain to do that. We're going to raise seven times and then three more times next year projected, 10 raises. That's tough. And then you throw on high gas prices on top of it all. What's the consumer going to have left? I mean, Mitch was talking about this in the pre-pre-market show too. I mean, there's 50% of this country that's struggling to pay the bills right now. So now we're going to keep, you know, the, the gas prices are going to stay inflated for the foreseeable future probably because they don't come down easily. You know, they got inflation costs everywhere happening. And now we're going to jack your mortgage payment up. We're going to jack your rent payments up. We're going to jack up whatever we can on you. So, I mean, the consumer could have a little bit of struggles here. It's tough to see a way that you're not going to hit the economy when you're going to get that aggressive against inflation. I think it needs to be done. I think Powell's doing the right thing. I think the, I most, think the, stock in, reaction, though, I think the most interesting thing that he said was that, uh, you know, they're, you know, they're selling assets off the balance sheet and that um, they're buying Chinese stocks. <laughs> they're buying well, that's K-Web. what it looked like was happening. That, that's exactly what it looked like. That's what the that, Chinese situation. I thought that was very interesting comments by, uh, by, I knew you'd like that one, Spencer. Yeah. Wait, uh, on the China note, Matt Miller wants your guys to take on, on FXI. Um, what, what, what <laughs> well, you I'd sell it. I'll give you my take right now. It's a gift. It went from 26 to 33. Is it going back to 37 or 38? Maybe. Your upside here is like 36. That's where it was trading the whole time before any of these concerns happened. And, you know, there's still a lot of concerns over there. So I think you got to be looking at it. I mean, they're still, you know, fighting COVID like we were fighting in 2020 by shutting the country down. That's not good news either. We didn't even talk about that. So, I mean, it's a, I think it's a huge gift yesterday. Would I be buying FXI? Hell no. no not now. No, no, never. Just not after your, that kind just, of a rally. You know what? Just with that kind of, you know, the kind of reaction that you had, I mean, I think, you know, I can't, you know, whatever fancy technicals you want to use, you have your, your closing price from yesterday, right? You have your high from yesterday. If this is the move of moves, then, and it's going back to 35, 36, then you're going to get back that dollar or two that you're down. You're going to go back up to the previous day's high. That That's a great scenario. Uh, an okay the great scenario, scenario is 36 from a 3282. Well, I'm talking scenario. Well, no, I'm just saying it holds today. It holds 30. Right. If it holds through, that's good shape. Problem is you could come in tomorrow morning on quad witch and it could be back at 27 off one negative comment. So uh, if it could just hang in here today, get green on the session. And um, I think another positive thing uh, for the Chinese stocks is that um, Jack Ma was spotted at a, at a, a closed uh, Starbucks. All right. All right. The first, the first one was funny. The second time, not so much. Let, let, let's bring on Mark Chaikin. Let's see what he thinks of all this. Mark Chaikin, the founder of Chaikin Analytics, joins us every other Thursday to give us his thoughts on the market and more. Mark, good morning. Hi, guys. It's been a wild two weeks. <laughs> yeah. It's been a wild two weeks, though, Mark. And we're just talking the Chinese stocks. I've yep. said, what would people are asking everywhere on Twitter, the show here, what would you do? I'm going to ask you in a second. I'll tell you what I would do. I'd sell the rally yesterday because I think it was way too much, way too fast. But what would you do with the Chinese stocks now after a 35% rally in FXI yesterday or actually in the K-Web yesterday? You know, we always say you don't want to catch a falling knife as they're going down. You also don't want to catch a knife that's bounced up in the air. 
Um, it's just as dangerous. You had three previous uh, oversold spikes, one in 08, uh, oversold, yeah, spikes, one in 08, one in 11, where they got as oversold in terms of breadth, every component under its 200-day average. Uh, and then in 15, you had a, a meltdown in Chinese stocks. And in all three of those instances, you, you made lower lows or you churned around. So I agree with you. If you want to buy them, find the best of the best. I think JD, the one you, you know, price always tells you the best name. And JD, yeah. JD has consistently outperformed the rest of the pack for the last three years. So JD is where I'd go if I wanted to own equities, but I don't because of the geo. 42 to 64, though, a fit rally yeah. 55% yesterday. I think I would wait for a pullback now on Me JD too. personally. But... <laughs> Me too. Uh, no, if you buy him here, you're, you're really just rolling the dice because you've got still got geopolitical risk. Xi Ping, or however you say his, an autocrat's name in Chinese, uh, is not going to give up easily. He wants another five years, so maybe he plays around with the verbiage, but in China did something really bad. They basically said tech is bad and, and we're going to make sure that doesn't happen again. So the geopolitical risks outweigh everything. We still have delisting risk in some of these yeah. stocks too. That didn't come off the table because one Chinese official said that, you know, what was the comment yesterday, Spencer, that kickstarted this whole rally? I already yeah. forget. Oh, I, I'm, I don't know the exact quote, but it was, we support overseas listings we're, we aim to wrap up our investigation into big tech as quickly as possible. Yeah, yeah they're, but, the, but they're not the ones delisting the companies. Right. And they, well, you know, they're not meeting accounting standards in many cases, which no. is why the first wave of delistings. But let's go on to the U.S. market, if you don't mind. Yeah, let's do it. I don't know anybody who owns Chinese stocks right now, except, <laughs> except for Larry Fink. Who, well, and, and, and every person on Twitter. Well, you know, there was, there was a strange thing. Um, the SEC sent out a margin. Um, alert notice yeah. yes, uh, two days ago, yeah. or maybe yesterday morning. It was Monday. Uh, Monday. And we're trying to figure out what it was. And, you know, look what happened to BlackRock. They made this huge commitment to Chinese equities. How long ago? About three months ago, four months ago. So there, there are probably some liquidity issues with uh, some major players in the Chinese stocks. I don't want to go near them. So, Moving to the U.S. there here, I mean, what do you make of that that bounce yesterday? Um, I'm not going to ask you to to decipher the the two to three move there where we dipped and then rallied there. That that was probably all just computers. But what do you make of the fact that we just bounced in every in more or less everything through the until the close yesterday? I think Powell took away all the uncertainty. Um, basically, we know there's nine hikes coming and they're going to start unwinding their balance sheet. And we all know as, as experienced market participants, the market hates uncertainty. So in one sense, yeah, there's going to be pain, as Dennis said. And, uh, I'm not sure the consumer is that stretched. Al uh, certainly, although his credibility is stretched when he uh, you know, said that inflation was transitory, but he's saying the consumer's in pretty good shape. The balance, the consumer balance sheet is liquid and he doesn't see a recession. Now that's what calmed the market's fears. And typically a recession doesn't begin until uh, three years after the first rate hike, but cycles that we've seen since uh, 2018 have been very compressed, as you know. So the bear market, 33 days and 33%, 
so some of the old rules go out the window about bear markets lasting 18 to 24 months. Maybe, you know, the, the computers and the algos have compressed all that. But a lot of yesterday was the negative deal of gamma. I know, you know, it's hard for people to get their arms around that. It took me a long time, maybe six months to fully understand what's going on. But the bottom line is dealers are in a position where they have to chase rallies or sell stocks into a hole because there's so much retail put buying going on, even on a day trading basis. So that's really when you see people explaining market moves in any other for any other rationale, they're just not right. It's the dealer flows that are accelerating all the moves. And that's not going to change until the option market changes. So the, the quick and dirty for our listeners is if there's big retail put buying, the dealers have to sell them. That means that they've, they're basically short the market and they have to sell them the puts. So they're chasing rallies and they're selling into a hole to try and keep their hedges even in on another show, Dennis can tell you what really goes on, but that's that's what moves the market on a day-to-day basis. And until that changes, you're going to see wild swings. In terms of what I think is going to happen, I was looking, hoping for a cyclical bottom around March 21st, um, thinking we'd break the 4,200 level. We did. We didn't get uh, below the uh, intraday low of 41.14, but we came pretty close. So arguably, you've made a double bottom. Uh, new lows diverge significantly, new 52-week lows. So that's a good sign because you want to see some sort of technical divergence on the, the right side of the W. Uh, I suspect there's going to be more probing of the lows. Um, I don't know that we'll see 38.50 on this leg down. I do see the rally capping out around 45.50 if it keeps going, because um, that's where you're going to start running into resistance. All right. So you're sort of thinking more chop here going forward. Uh, what, what do you like here? I like the strongest socks in the strongest industries. So I'm still looking at energy and you've had some nice pullbacks. Looking at metals and mining, again, nice pullbacks and aerospace. So in aerospace, I got to go with the big guys, Lockheed Martin and Northrop. In energy, I'm going with smaller players. Uh, Continental Resources, a really good chart, good fundamentals. Ovintiv, OVV, looks interesting. And in metals and mining, I'll go with the you know the best names: Freeport, Macmillan, and Arch, ARCH. It's in the coal business. These these stocks have great charts, great money flow. They've had nice pullbacks. So that's I, I'd say two thirds of my buying is going to be there. I also think some of the really solid growth stocks, not the ones with no earnings, because I think there's still vulnerability there. But the NVIDIAs of the world, yeah. Apple, uh, Google, if you don't add to these stocks on market weakness, then you're missing the big opportunities, because once they start to run, they go too fast. So unless you think there's a big bear market of more than 20% coming, I'd be selling on rallies the Kind of stocks in the U.S. that mirror the Chinese market, you know, the uh, Peloton's almost toast, but and they probably get a takeover bid. But Fiverr and all the and uh, things like DoorDash, which was down 14% on Monday and then rallied back. So these are the kinds of stocks I'd avoid. But I do think there's some real opportunities here if you buy the dips and don't chase them. 
Mark, with everything, just going back to the general market here, and I just I just looked at uh, you know you're you're on two weeks ago, right? And yeah. uh, I want to take a victory lap on EPAM, although it was a wild ride. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, we were we were we were talking about you on that one. We were uh, we were talking about you. Yes, that's true. Yeah, that was. Well, look uh, what it did yesterday. Up I know. I know. It, it acted know. like a Chinese stock yesterday. <laughs> it did. It did. But I'm just I'm just trying to get a perspective. Uh, on the market, you know, going what's happened in the last couple of weeks. And today's the 17th, right? So you were on what, two weeks ago. Uh, and that day the market closed at, uh, forty three fifty seventy five. <laughs> I'm looking at the, in, in the June futures. And right now we're trading forty three thirty four. Okay. We've been up, down and all around, right? We're now up near the other part of the range. I mean, I think the market is just held up extremely well, uh, you know, under under the duress of the war and everything. So is it, you know, is it is it just is it a false reality here? I mean, it's because I'm figuring, you know, right here, it, like if we stall here, yeah, we're going, you know, we're going back and testing the lows. But I mean, everything that's been thrown at this market, everything that Powell threw at it yesterday, and 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 we're. 230 points off the low of the move. I mean, I, I'm, I'm flabbergasted by it. I just wanted to get your take on it. And what, what do we need? What, what is going to be the next catalyst to take us back to 4550? Because a lot of people just think that's hogwash. That we're not going back to 4500. So, what would be the cat, the catalyst to instigate another leg higher? Well, it would be a little progress in in the peace negotiations, which um, today they threw some cold water on that, which is part of the reason you're down a little. But it, it's going to be dealer flows accelerating whatever good news happens. Uh, I do think if you look at the S&P, which I've always used as my benchmark when I'm mm -hmm. talking broadcasts or even in my market letter, you're missing the point. We've already had the bear market. We've had rolling bear markets in NASDAQ, in uh, SPACs, in you know, the stay-at-home stocks. We, we all know that. that that's just um, a fact of life. So the S&P is the last bastion of sanity. But even there, the equal-weighted S&P is outperforming the RCP. And um, I, I think on the show two weeks ago, I said that uh, the Fidelity um, inflation ETF was my favorite way to, to put money to work in the market, FCPI. And that has proven to be a really good place to be. It's gone up as much as the market on days like yesterday, it's gone down less. So it's your way to position for inflation and get market exposure. But um, let's go up to a 2000 foot view. It's a midterm election year. You always make a bottom in the midterm election year, 23 out of the last 27 times. And typically in a midterm election year, you are either in a bear market or coming out of a bear market. And then you rally 30 to 50%. So I think the key for investors and traders is protect your capital with stops, with a more conservative approach to your holdings, and be there when that 30 to 50% rally comes. Now, is it now? Odds don't favor it. So if you force me to give you a, a Wyckoff-like pattern going forward. You make a low here, whether it's 4,000 or whether we've seen it, you rally up about 10, 12%. Then you come back down maybe in September, October, make a lower low 
and then you get that 30 to 50% rally off that bottom. And, and this is, this is history. This is not me making it up. Uh, Mark Chaikin from the founder of Chaikin analytics, Jason in the chat, Jason Razzing asking if, if, if he should still buy FCPI. Uh, I mean, it's, it's been on a very nice run here at the past, uh, couple of days um, well I buy, I buy it on dips it's yeah. it, it's like buying the sp it's like making a commitment to buy spy except sure. i think you're getting a better yeah. risk reward ratio all right uh mark chaken chaken analytics joins every other, every other thursday mark always a pleasure thanks for coming on talk to you again next time yep maybe we'll have seen the lows by then guys watch out for march 21st Oh, oh, sorry. I did not mean to cut you off, Mark. I apologize. Uh, before we bring on Blue, let's do some individual stocks here. Um, uh, I want to. I want to point out. I didn't actually. This didn't occur to me. I saw it on Twitter yesterday, and I told this to Joel already. So Dennis, I'll tell it to you. Did you realize, Dennis, that this month alone, three major restaurant executive CEOs have have resigned or slash retired? Starbucks, Wingstop, Domino's. Have all seen their CEOs resign or retire in March? Isn't that pretty wild? Are they all old? No. Or, or they're all retiring. I, I mean, retiring is one thing. It's just coincidence. Like, are you trying to insinuate that people just don't want to be running restaurants now? I mean, that's, that's do you exactly want do you want to be in that game at the moment between no, rising rising? I don't food? think that's the case. I okay, fine. Joel, Joel, we can write a story me. about it if you want, though. Joel's with me. Joel <laughs> Joel's ready to write that. All right, story. all right. Let's go. Let's go to individual. Joel agrees with me. I no, I mean it's you know they're like I got through the pandemic. Now <laughs> yeah, we're the tough part. We're I'm getting the hell out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I don't all right. Know. Uh, let's talk about uh, Kohl's. We did not talk about this yesterday because there was way too much going on. But Kohl's was up amidst another takeover rumor uh, that there could be a takeover here uh, from from Sycamore, uh, a, a, a go private offer somewhere in the high sixties potentially. Yeah. Is the yeah. is the new rumor? Isn't that the same group though? Yes, it is. Okay. I mean, what a gift the sell-off was, and I'm kicking myself and because I thought about this a couple of times, and I never pulled the trigger, and obviously it's because they were selling everything off, and it's hard to pull the trigger on anything, but I mean, we've talked about valuation coals being very reasonable. We've talked about, you know, the the coming and the filling of the gap after, you know, a takeover offer like that, or at least yep. you know, the rumors of a takeover offer came all the way back down. It was set up for a nice buy in the, in the low 50s. And if you did that, Karen Feinerman did it on CNBC. She was talking about it for those reasons. And good job, Karen. Uh, better job than me. I should have bought it as well. And I just never really thought about it too much. There's so many more exciting things to talk about than Kohl's in the last few weeks that yeah. I probably just wasn't paying enough attention. But I thought about it a couple of times when, um, you know, it was under 55 and, you know, obviously should have pulled the trigger. I'm not chasing it here now. If people forget about it and it pulls back into the mid 55s on overall market sell off, I'd get interested, but I don't want to chase it here. You said that last time, but uh, okay. I, I'm I going to say the same thing. I mean, and people say I'm on repeat, you know, and I am, you know why I'm on repeat because it works. I'm going to say what works. How, how often has buy the rip worked this year? I, I, how often? I know. How many times have you made money buying a 25 or 20% rally in a stock this year? Not a lot. So I mean, I'm if anything, say people... what works. And you know what? I'll change my tune when it stops working. It's not like I'm eternally engraved into sell the rep, but yeah. I tell you, it's working. So why in the hell would I change? 
I mean, why would I change my trading strategies when they're working? And that's the whole thing. I mean, find something that works and go with it and run with it and continue to employ it until it doesn't work anymore. This market hasn't given me any indication that sell the rip has stopped working. So I'm selling rip still. The uh, right to the area I went to last time uh, with the Coles. I mean, this is textbook. I, I I don't know about the high 60s bid, but if you're looking at the upper right chart, uh, the, the 64, I believe, was the original number. It snuck over that, 6408 uh, on the original news. And then people that are, you know, don't, either don't believe in the deal or don't want to wait for the deal and that bought the dip. They just said, hey, I'm taking my money now. So uh, I don't know if the bid is going to be over this, but right now it's at the top of the trading range, and uh, that's what you saw yesterday. So it, it hung up. Actually, it came in pretty quickly uh, last time, so we'll see if it, it does the same today. That was probably a little bit due to market conditions, but uh, that's what you're looking at. That, that broke in her day. Uh, KSS. Question I want to pose to you guys in the chat. Is today the fifth day in a row where Berkshire Hathaway makes a new all-time high? It's unbelievable. It's four days in a row. I don't even know what to say. It's completely disconnected from reality, so you just can't mess with it. I tried to short it. It's not going to go. It's making new all-time highs. You can't short stocks making new all-time highs. Treat it like a stock. Crazy. Not like a fund. Half the holdings in there are down 20%, but it doesn't matter because more than half the holdings are down 20%. But it doesn't matter. Because well, I guess it's not true. More than 10%. But there's very few holdings making new all-time highs, if any, in Berkshire Hathaway. But it's got the Warren Buffett, you know, Momo going on right now. And people are just on that train. And they don't care about the NAV. It's not an ETF, so it doesn't have to trade with NAV. And, you know, there you go. So it's making new highs. I was bearish it two days ago. You just can't be, you know. And maybe it's eventually going to fall and catch up. But trying to short a stock making new all-time high just doesn't work. Boris in the chat goes, Burke B is a new meme stock. And Burke A, by the way, just closed above 500 grand for the first time, if that's your thing as well. Is there any other stocks making new all-time highs? What is making new all-time highs besides Berkshire Hathaway? Please tell me. I'm sure I can find a couple. There's got to be a few, but it's a handful of stocks. And it's nothing Berkshire Hathaway's holding. (laughs) (laughs) Which is absurd in itself. So uh, I used is. to arc with this. I used to, you know, do that little bit of arbitrage with it. Yeah. I mean, you can burk you can burk B A R, but that's a hard one to trade. But I mean, because the A is the thinness with the A. But I mean, you look at this thing and you think, oh yeah, stocks are down. I'm gonna sell some burk and short some burk. I don't even touch burk. Burk goes up now. I was like, I don't. I try to short it. And wow. you know what? It just does its own thing. It doesn't give a crap about the market. It's too crazy for Dennis. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 so right. it's actually not crazy at all. Just slow and boring, and just goes up. I guess you just got to buy it and forget about nav. Sign of the times. All right. How about that trend line? How about this? How about that? All right. If so, it breaks, nice. I don't know at what point in time people are actually going to do the math and say, hey, half of his holdings are down 10, 15%. Maybe we should start selling this, but they don't do that. They don't care. He's got a lot of cash. He's positioned the best. I mean, you know, I, I and I've tried to mimic Berkshire. I've said this on the show for years. I've tried to mimic Warren Buffett's investing strategies as an yeah. investor, trying to buy growth at a reasonable price, value stocks, holding a good chunk of cash for protection. I mean, he's done it all right. This is the portfolio that holds up well in this type of environment. Just when you look at it at all-time highs, like I would think it should be down 10%. I don't think it should be crashing. Right? I think it should be following the holdings a little bit more. It should right. be following Apple a little bit more. 
but it's completely disconnected. All right, I'm bringing on Blue Putnam, uh, managing uh, director and chief economist of the CME Group. Let's get an economist's take on what Jerome Powell said yesterday. Surprise with the new intro. What's up, like Blue? That. How are you doing? Well, I know. I like the new intro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, surprise you all. All right, Blue. Um, you're an economist, uh, the chief economist of the CME Group, as I said. Let's get your take on this. Uh, Jerome Powell, what he said, your thoughts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming, I wish I'd used Indeed. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility all at Indeed.com slash P-R-E-P. Just go to Indeed.com slash P-R-E-P right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash P-R-E-P. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Okay, I, I, I had three takeaways that might interest you guys. <clears throat> Number one, he said every Fed meeting from now on is a live meeting. You know what that means? That means that forward guidance is dead. You know, he doesn't want to tell you what the Fed's going to do in advance because every meeting's going to be a live meeting. They're going to debate whether to go up, whether to pause, whether to shrink the balance sheet. So, going to be an interesting uh, series of Fed meetings because, you know, the guidance is going to be much more ambiguous, if at all. Second point, he equated balance sheet shrinkage, Powell did, with, the, uh, with raising rates. That is, he said, effectively, I'm interpreting here, but, you know, if we uh, shrink the balance sheet, that's like uh, a rate increase, or he could have meant it could substitute for a rate increase. So balance sheet shrinkage seems to me to be, uh, you know, on the way at some future future meeting. I would warn you that as an economist, I don't see balance sheet shrinkage as an equivalent to rate hikes. They're very, very different. Rate hikes hit the economy in certain ways, raising borrowing costs, but also giving pensioners and retirees more cash income for, from the retirement portfolio. So, you know, they, they cut both ways. Uh, balance sheet shrinkage, uh, you know, can push bond yields higher and make them um, for a more turbulent equity market. So it's, uh, you know, that affects that bond, uh, you know, QT, quantitative tightening, is more about equity volatility than it is about the economy. And then my last takeaway 
is that, you know, he just says it, it's, it's back now. Inflation's super elevated. What they're going to be looking at, and I think he made this really clear, is the strength of the labor market. Uh, it's certainly very strong right now. But, you know, the message I got is if there's any deterioration of labor market strength, then that will make the Fed more cautious about rate hikes. And I would remind you that even though the labor market is super strong, unemployment's super low, we still have 2 million people, less 2 million people working than we did before the pandemic started. So we are not fully recovered, even though it kind of feels like it if you look at the unemployment rate. So those are my three takeaways. Is it dangerous that he's going to do this too fast? Like he really talks like he thinks he can do it, keep the economy still with some reasonable growth, yet tackle inflation and raise rates seven times. I'm skeptical because that formula of raising rates seven times this year and three more times next year um, sounds pretty scary to me in a market that is so dependent on cheap money. But he talks like he can do it. You think he can pull it off? Well, I, you know, as I said, you know, every meeting's a live meeting and he's going to be super data dependent. So that's the path he outlined, but it depends on labor markets staying strong. If your skepticism turns out to be right, he's going to be more cautious. He's going to turn cautious on a dime. Do you almost, that's what I heard him say. <laughs> do you almost feel like he is like he, he stuck with the transitory too long, right? And he was proved wrong. And he was at one extreme. And so now he's going to like the other extreme. And, you know, he got behind the eight ball. Now he's getting way ahead of it and trying to find some kind of balance there or to find what he's saying extremely credible. No, I didn't quite read it that way, Joel. I mean, he certainly feels like he, they made a mistake about not anticipating inflation soon enough. But uh -huh. everything I heard was they're staying data dependent, you know. And, and data dependent is, I think, what you want the Fed to be. I mean, if you want them out front forecasting, they're going to be wrong half the time, and that's not going to be good. Uh, so being a little late is, uh, you know, I, I really can't argue with that philosophy. Blue, it, it seemed like he was a little bit defensive on the idea that the Fed is behind the curve, especially as it pertains to other central banks around the world. Where do you fall on, on that on that scale? Well, other central banks around the world are in very different places. Now, the you know, the Bank of England raised rates a quarter point today. Um, the European Central Bank is nowhere close to raising rates. They're still in quantitative easing and buying assets. Eventually, they probably will, but, you know, not yet. And the Bank of Japan, the Bank of Japan really wants to see some inflation. They're, they're not, they're, a, you know, they're years away from a rate increase. So, you know, he's right that central banks around the world are not on the same path. That's fair. Uh, how should we think about the economy right now and, and, and in terms of like where we are in this cycle? There are things to like about it that that he talked about yesterday. We've recovered a lot from from where we were two years ago, but there are things to be awfully afraid of. So where how do you feel? How are you feeling right now just about the overall state of the U.S. economy? I'm actually fairly on the worried camp. Um you know, I, it's hard for me to see that the elevated inflation rate doesn't have become a drag on the economy. I mean, let me give you a quick example. You, 
you, you spend $100 on gasoline at $4 a gallon, you get 25 gallons. Uh, you know, and then the price goes up to five and you got to travel. So you spend $110, but you only get 22 gallons. Well, the, the quantity of gallons is like real GDP. And the money you spend is like nominal GDP. So, you know, our GDP is probably going to have a drag from inflation. And then we're going to get a drag from the Russia-Ukraine situation because, you know, we've really disrupted all kind of uh, markets, particularly metals, but but also, you know, more on computer chips and things like that. So uh, and agriculture, I mean, Ukraine is a huge wheat producer. You know, they're, they're probably not going to be able to grow the wheat. They can't get it on the boats. The ports are closed and the boats don't go into the Black Sea because the insurance rates are too high. Uh, you know, in the countries that will be impacted are places like Egypt and Lebanon because they were the customers of Ukraine. So, you know, globally, we have a lot of things and they're not balanced. They're all negative. Um, we know that the, Jerome Powell was was somewhat clear about, you know, their direction they tend to go as far as rates and, 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 and how high. What is the likelihood, uh, Blue, that they actually stick to that path? Because right now I'm looking at the, the Fed Funds Futures tool on, on the CME website, which I check every single day at this point. Uh, it's become, uh, I'm sure it's one of my most, uh, it's basically a bookmark page at this point. And market pricing in uh, by the end of the year, um, somewhere between one and three quarters and 2% uh, for, for, for uh, uh, Fed Funds rate. What, and that's based on yesterday's comments, of course. What is the likelihood that we actually like stick to that timeline? I think that depends very, very much on the course of the 10-year bond note yield. Okay. Uh, because I really uh, am of the camp that the Federal Reserve does not want to invert the yield curve. So for me, I'm looking at twos versus tens. The two-year Treasury fully incorporates what you just saw on the uh, CME uh, FedWatch tool. Yeah. Uh, you know, but the 10 year dances to a very different drummer. It's a flight to quality instrument. It's, uh, you know, it can, it responds to risk off, risk on. It's looking at quantitative tightening or balance sheet shrinkage. Lots of things impact that. And so I believe that it, it kind of puts a cap on how high rates can go. And so right now, what Fed funds futures are saying is we, we can get close to that 10 year yield, but we have to wait and see what the 10 year yield does to tell you where we go next. And then Joel and I yesterday afternoon, were talking about uh, inflation and the Fed still sees inflation at, in like the low 4% area by the end of the year. How is that possible? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, but before the Russia-Ukraine war, it was probably possible, but not likely. Um, um, but now it's uh, the, the you know it, it's a credible scenario, but it's it doesn't have a let's say in the world of seventy thirty, it's on the thirty percent side of probabilities. All right, give us some good news here, Blue. Before you go, <laughs> give us something to feel good about. I feel like we. Go I, blue. I, I was not expecting this level of concern from you. I have to admit. So give us something. <laughs> Give us something to like here. Well, I, I do, uh, you know, I do like to be the uh, not only the optimistic economist, but I, I heard one uh, pundit talk about, you know, I just like the fact that there's water in the glass. Uh, you know, but you know, I, I do find that we're we're in a world where we have to manage risk a little differently, uh, and I think markets are really learning how to do that. Um, 
you know, we typically look at volatility as something called a standard deviation. That's an average of ups and downs in the market. That's not a good measure right now because we're in a market that can price gap. In a, in a New York minute, we can go up or down uh, and by a big amount. And so that requires a different kind of management. But what I'm really uh, positive about is, is how well risk managers are adapting to this new environment, how they're adjusting their their, their positions and their hedges. So, you know, I think we're going to be way more resilient to everything that's going on. I mean, I may be worried about it, okay. but I think the resilience is, is, uh, is going to be incredible. I, I, I appreciate that. It's easy to get too high or too low, but I appreciate the fact that you're trying to do neither and you're trying to, you're, you're cautious, but you're also an optimist, which is, which I, which when it comes to the economy, I can identify with them. Well, I'm, you know, risk managers are paid to be worried, yeah. okay, yeah. and and to look at scenarios. But we're also paid to be probabilistic and to put reasonable, unbiased probabilities on things. And, uh, you know, that's where I think we can get a little more, more positive. Before we let you go, I want to get your thoughts on some of the things here. We had PPI. We also had CPI out, what was it, last week now. A- any thoughts on any of those recent numbers that we've just gotten outside of the Fed? Oh, not too much. I mean, they were right on my expectations, uh, you know, which doesn't always happen. But, uh, you know, what we're having is we're seeing durable goods inflation, non-durable goods inflation, way above service inflation. I'm, you know, we've been talking about other things, but as we end the pandemic and go to endemic, uh, I'm going to look to see if we start buying more services and less goods. And I think that will have a, a positive impact on making the the rate of increase inflation a little less worrisome. Uh, Blue Putnam is the managing director and chief economist of the CME Group. Will be joining us periodically to break down economic data indicators developments. If you want more Blue slots, I highly recommend checking out the QR code on the screen. Uh, takes you right to the CME site. You can uh, hear more uh, of Blue's analysis and takes on the market. Blue Putnam, it is always a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for helping us make sense of yesterday. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Go Blue. Thank you. Oh, Joel had to end with the Go Blue, especially on today, uh, which 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 I'll let it slide. Uh, okay. So <laughs> so how's the market holding on? It's fine. What, what is holding this market up? Why are we not taking out the low of the moon? What's holding us up? Signet Jewelers up 10% this morning. <laughs> William okay. Sonoma up 9% this morning. That's holding us up. Okay. Dennis no, I, I don't know if Dennis is trying to talk, but he's on mute if he is. No, we're moving around. I'm trying to trade a little bit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're, we're just hanging out near the lows of the session here. Uh, actually, 4320. Do you want to do some? Do you want to go earning stocks? And, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. We've covered like one or two stocks. Let's cover a few more. Uh, William Sonoma and Signet Jewelers are your two big gainers of the morning. Let's go SIG first. Signet okay. earnings this morning. EPS in line. Sales beat. They gave guidance. That was above estimates uh, for uh, Q1 sales. They gave fiscal year guidance that was above estimates on the EPS and the sales basis. So everything came in above estimates for Signet this morning. And I mentioned the stock is up, what, 9%? Yeah. Uh, has to hold 85. And if man, if holds 85, gets rocking and rolling, I'd take a real close look at this $88 level. Doesn't hold 85. You got a lot of room on the downside, uh, top of yesterday's range. That's it. 88, big number, short term and long term. All right. And then, okay. And then the other one was, um, 
uh, WSM, William Sonoma. They had earnings out last night, I believe. Let me get you those numbers from the handy dandy Benzinga Pro. EPS nice. heat, sales missed, dividend raise. That's nice. From 71 cents per share to 78 cents per share. And uh, yeah, that and a $1.5 billion buyback to boot. I like the 165 number better than that uh, 88 and Signet. Look at this. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight highs here. Same area. 130 a couple of weeks ago. Show me you can hold 165. That That's a good number to look at today. We're above it now. Uh, but boy, oh boy. Sellers for six, seven, eight days in a row. Big number, 165. All right. Let's do some ticker time here. we got nine minutes left in today's show. Whatever tickers are on your radar, drop them in the chat. We will take a look. Uh, in the meantime, uh, oh, yeah, let's do DG. That's right, Dollar General. Uh, kind of a inflation hedge in a way. They reported this morning as well. I have not looked at the stocks. I don't know what it's doing. But uh, sales was uh, good. Uh, uh, EPS was good. Sales guidance was a little bit light. And they're also raising their dividend. From forty-two cents a share to fifty-five cents a share, so a, a a significant dividend raise for DG. But I, like I said, I'm oh, that's a nice chart, or maybe not. Actually, I take that back. It's a really hard day to trade because you you got this feel that this dip's probably going to get bought again because I don't think we just broke the, the buy the dip mentality yesterday. But then you also have like institutional money managers that are like, man, we've been getting killed. Let's lighten up. So I think. It was actually predictable that we would dip right now, like this morning after that ridiculous rally yesterday. But now the question is, do you come in and are you buying the dip in the overall market? And then that is what matters to you know all the individual stocks too. I mean, their reports matter, obviously, and they're trading up on them. But if we continue to roll over in the overall market, they're going to start to hit what's up. If we turn around and start rallying, like if they buy this dip, then you know the earnings stocks could actually continue to get bought. So it's tough to just say, you know, on a stock like, you know, you just gave me three that are all trading higher. Naturally, I'd want to sell, but I don't know if we've broken that buy the dip mentality. So I'm actually, as a day trader, kind of inclined to buy the dip in the overall market here, which makes me skeptical to short stocks right now. Okay. Okay. Even though it's bearish, as, as, as I, I keep raising up my long, I'm, I'm like long-term bearish, short-term bullish, if that makes any sense. And obviously the next headline. That's the, that's the exact matters. opposite of where I'm at. <laughs> Yeah, I'm long-term bearish. I'm telling you, I just think there's a lot of issues here right now. Like, I think, you know, people are saying we're going to get back to highs by the end of the year. I don't see it. But again, the catalyst, you asked, you asked. Uh, I think you asked Mark that this morning, Joel. I mean, the catalyst takes the all-time highs as they shake hands and they sign a, sign up a ceasefire. Yeah, fire. we know that's not going to happen. The ceasefire, well, that could happen. Well, as a short right now, you've got to be skeptical. I mean, if you're short the market right now, you get a ceasefire. We all want a ceasefire. This is what we want. This is what the world needs. I mean, that's the scenario where this market goes back to new highs. And that's, I think it's still a potential to happen. So it, it's a tough market to just, like like I said, I would sell the rip. I don't know if I would necessarily short the rip. So I think I, it's tough. I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to look at this. I, I think it's tough to buy today. I mean, yeah, if you're coming in, it is, it's a tough day because where's it, I mean, where's a really good support? I mean, if you're looking from uh, these stocks, I mean, if you're looking to buy yesterday's low, 
I mean, you're going to have to just pick an intermediate point. So, uh, you know, maybe some uh, position jockeying. I I had a quad witch tomorrow. That's something that, you know, we have to, you know, we have to keep in mind. Maybe check out where the open interest is in some of your stocks and see, you know, where where it's potential pinging. But for me, like if if I am trying some longs today, I mean, I'm, I'm not waiting very, very long to find out that I'm wrong on it. Uh, yeah. and if any things get back to unchanged, yeah. then yeah, I'll, 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 you know, attempt, attempt shorts. The longer it takes, I think the longer it takes for us, like I just, we're just leaking now. We're just like, we're leaking. We'll take out the pre-market low and where do you go? Where do you go with this market? So we need to, I've been talking to about calming down and consolidating and, you know, getting a little bit of a trading range. Well, that ain't happening. I mean, especially based on uh, based on yesterday. So I'd love I, the best thing would be is we could just not even you know not be down like 60, 70 handles today. You know, I could take a thirty or forty point you know handle loss or something, but it it's tough because like you look at your dailies and where where are you gonna go? And then you think it, and then on the upside, if you were looking to follow through for that rally, well, you're in the ride. So I think people are going to be looking. The I'd be keep a really close eye on the closes on all your stocks. If you do get some kind of rally, see what happens at that closing price. I think Mark had it right. I think on a stock like Nvidia, if we were to pull back sixty hand, let's just set up scenario analysis, and you know that's all trading is is scenario analysis. Let's say we do get a rip roar and sell off. We're down twenty four handles. Sell it, we sell off another thirty five. And Nvidia gets gives like half of its move from yesterday back or something. Like it's down like that two thirty two, two thirty three area. Uh-huh. Maybe that is one you buy. Maybe that is something you buy because we know going forward, Nvidia is not going away. Chips are not going away. AMD. Maybe you get back down. Do I want to buy it at one fifteen after it was one oh two yesterday? No. But would I buy it at one oh seven, one oh eight now? Maybe. So I think I'm looking at you know who you think the leaders are going to be, and then maybe buying the pullback on them. Um, so I like, you know, that's what I think Mark even said in video, and I think I'm with them. I think that's the kind of stock that if I was buying stocks, it's the kind of stock I'd be buying right now. Dennis, I have a nice on the pullbacks. I have a nice safe stock for you. It's got Give a it to P, me. It's PE of 13, price to sales of sounds uh, dreamy. One, one point something. Uh, price to sales of one of basically two. Ready? Ticker is CAR. You ever heard of that one? Oh my gosh! I know I had such a move yesterday. What a move. What a what a move overall. You just think about how, you know, it went from $92 to that ridiculous day where it went up 100% one day to 545. And I mean, when you get upside capitulation like that, you don't buy, you sell, you sell, you sell again. And you get the hell out. And that was such a gift. And obviously, over the course of time, this has tracked well with Kathy stocks for whatever reason, but it's like a retail name. And, you know, it's driven in that whole pun fully intended it's driven in that whole uh, um, <laughs> group of stocks by which retails driving and i mean yesterday you're getting the rip roar and kathy rally and they could not stop buying car but again we went from 200 to 281 i'm absolutely not buying it at 281 now i'm gonna wait for a pullback um if i was to get in the same yeah, I just mentioned uh, the we mentioned this in the at the close show uh, that December high after you came off November two eighty seven seventy five. So that's really sticking out. We're trading down a little bit in the pre market, but uh, boy, keep an eye on that. The longer it takes to get up there and 
take that out, then I think you will get the opportunity to uh, to buy that uh, on the dip. That was pretty remarkable. All right, we got a couple minutes left. Let's do a few more from the chat. Um, scrolling up here, somebody asked about. I guess maybe we should mention the the betting stocks today. It is the start of March Madness, so maybe you see a bit of a bit in DraftKings or Pan. But you, would I've think, been hearing forever. That I assume it's probably I assume it's probably I don't know. People are out of money. I don't know. Out of money. And so I sold some of my pen at $49 a couple weeks ago. I have like one fourth of the original position left, which I bought at the worst possible price. So I bought it right before the big decline. I sold half of it after it started to break down, which I should have sold it all at $62 back then. Um, When it rallied up to 50 and just wasn't going through 50, I was like, I'm going to lighten this up further. So I have a little small piece left. um, But I actually think it's in my wife's retirement account. Oh, small. he does. Left, I left her. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. So um, nice. I, I'm not chasing any of these stocks, but you're right. These catalysts, the, the thing is, everything is moving together right now. What you've got to understand is you can have individual stock catalysts, you can have individual stories, but what matters right now is the macro picture. And that's all that matters. Like I'm looking at my screen right now. And everything's moving together. The majority of stocks are red. You know, you'll struggle to find the green stock besides Berkshire Hathaway, which is green every single day. But 90% of the stocks on my screen are red right now because SPY is down. Turns around and SPY goes up, 90% of these stocks are going to be green. So individual stories matter in the in, in a quiet macro picture. We have we do not have a quiet macro picture right now. Everything matters in the macro picture right Everything now. So matters. that's where I'm at is I think you're just... Uh, You've got to be watching the big headlines and a little story like, okay, March start of March Madness, that should be good for DraftKings, gets lost in the whole macro picture right now. All right. All right I'm going to hop off. Yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, Brent Slava is going to join me uh, briefing with Brent. We moved it to Thursday because he was out on Monday. So I'm going to hop over there, everyone. Uh, have a good day. Uh, be getting some good information out with uh, Rob Friesen, 1030, pre-market prep with stock odds. Triple D, go get them. We'll talk yeah, to you guys later on. No, he didn't say go get him, Spencer. Spencer, go uh, get him. Take away go blue. If you have any bags that you're holding, just leave them in your wife's account. It'll all be fine. It all it all work out. It'll all be fine. Don't even actually her her. I usually do pretty good on her retirement account. All right. All right. I don't know. The pen one was not a good one. All right. That'll be a wrap for us here, and he's gone. So that'll be a wrap for us here once again. Happy uh, St. Patrick's Day to everyone out there. Yes, the hat looks big because it's on top of my headset come at me uh thanks to our guests mark chaken and blue putnam as a reminder uh scan the qr code on the screen to see more from blue who'll be joining, joining us on a recurring basis here for the next few months to break down the economy uh smash that like button please and thank you as always please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes not for investing or trading advice. Uh, hey, guys, check out bzcannabis.com. The Benzinga Psychedelics and Cannabis Conference is basically a month away. It's all it's April 19th, 20th, 21st. Mike Tyson will be there. Kevin O'Leary will be there. I'm sure there will be a few other celebs. Uh, bzcannabis.com. Use the code SHOWS30 to get 30% off your ticket. Uh, subscribe to Benzinga on YouTube. Subscribe to Benzinga Pro. Free two-week trial. Pro.Benzinga.com. I'm going to hop off. Live trading with Benzinga is starting now. Mitch is back in the saddle. 
Ryan Faluna. Remember, it is his birthday today, so let's all wish him a happy birthday. And Zunaid, join, uh, rounding out the crew on live trading. Uh, so I'm going to end the stream now, redirect to those guys. Everyone have a great rest of your day. I'll see you on uh, Benzinga Live. Uh, good luck at the Open, and uh, stay green. Come on. Got to stay green on St. Patty's Day. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.